welcome to the cigar shop. Nope, that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, welcome to the cigar shop, too. Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. So, was that due to the fact that you've been sitting here waiting on me a little while? I think so. And everybody that comes in kind of gets a welcome here? Right. You know, it's been a long time since I beat you to the shop for recording it outside of the days when I just post up here at lunchtime and, and stick around. Yeah, it's a, you know, we went shooting today, and we're going to light our cigars, and then I want to talk about that all right. at all, because me and some cigar buddies went shooting, and is there anything better? It, it's hard to enjoy anything more than we enjoyed ourselves today. You know, I can't, well, let's get in the cigars, and then we'll talk about okay. it. Okay. What are you smoking? Uh, Cavalier Geneva. I've, I had one for the first time a couple of weeks ago after we recorded. I don't know why... I had always avoided them. They were priced right. It wasn't a price thing. That's one thing I can say about this brand. I don't know if maybe I thought the gold leaf was gimmicky. So is it the, um, are you smoking the Jalapa or the yeah. United, the so, American? Yeah. So specifically this one is the B2 Viso Jalapa. Right. Viso Jalapa. It's, uh, so I've not smoked this one yet. I don't think this is the one I smoked the other night. Uh, it's a Toro 6x55. It's uh, Habano Biner and fill- Fillers over Viso Jalapa wrapper. Uh, you know, it's... But I had that one, and I was blown away by how good it was. And so I figured I'd uh, try one on the show. You know, cigar for the price, they're greatly underrated. Because the cigar, the price on them is excellent. The cigar is very good. But I do wonder if they lose a little market share because people see the gold leaf and they think it's a gimmick. They think how can how good can a cigar be that needs that gimmick going on? But they came in here, sponsored a poker game. They've been a great brand for the shop. Um, they haven't set nothing, no records. They haven't set the world on fire as far as sales. But they've been steady. We've not. They're not sitting and just gathering dust. I think it's one of those things that this is a cigar that does kind of require the people in the shop to sell it. Yeah, you know, boutique cigars more than anything else kind of requires some hand selling, but even that requires saying to people, hey, don't don't try to scratch the gold leaf off. It just smokes right. through. Now, that one, the gold leaf is in a good spot, but I wish they would move on all of them. The gold leaf should always be in the middle of the cigar. See, I was going to say the exact same thing. That That is my one complaint because the whole idea is that you can smoke through it. But it's so close to the head of the cigar that most people aren't are going to put it down about the time it gets to the gold leaf. Right. It doesn't affect the flavor. It doesn't change anything. It would, but it would be fun to watch that happen. Yeah, they should either put one at the foot and one at the head, or one in the middle, or something. Or at least just move it down an inch or half an inch, even if it's not square in the middle. Yeah, that is my only complaint. And the the American, the United States only version of that cigar, it's even further up. Oh, yeah. So you're almost putting your lips on it then. You right. have to be. Yeah, it's just, it's even further up and a little harder to enjoy. Because, yeah, because you can move it down where the band actually sits square in the middle of it before you take it off. It'd be a nice production or a, a presentation. Yeah, they, that's that's our one thing to say to them. Now, I'm going to smoke the David Ortiz cigar, the Big Poppy. 
And on, this is from Artis Cigars, El Artista. It used to be El Artista, now I think they're just Artista. Oh, is it? I, so, I hadn't heard about that change. And all, it's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. It's Dominican, um, Dominican Republic grown, and it's Dominican Ni- Nicaraguan filler. The binder is Criollo 98. We've both smoked this cigar on the show before. Wonderful cigar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to talk here in a few minutes about things that go on in cigar shops, what makes a good cigar shop. And I think this, so this cigar is on its way out of this humidor. Okay. Now, this cigar is on its way out, not because it's a bad cigar, but because everybody in here's now had the chance to smoke it. Yep. You know, it came in like gangbusters. It sold really well. It did really good. But they can't miss it if it never goes away. Right. Well, and my only complaint with that was the form factor being a 60 ring gauge. And I think they now make a slightly smaller one, don't they? Is that still the 60? No, this one ain't the 60. This one's like a 56. That's what I thought. You're thinking of the slugger. Well, the no, slugger is the 60. When Well, when it when the Big Poppy first came out, it was the 60, and then they moved it down. Right. This is the regular Big Poppy. The slugger, which is the bigger yeah. one, I don't care that for That was the one much. that we got from them when they were on the show. Exactly. Oh, now I've got to light my cigar. Right. But um, So you, you wanted to talk about your day shooting. You know, it's funny. I grew up on a farm in West Tennessee. Well, I didn't grow up on the farm, but my grandparents had the farm and I spent untold hours there in my youth and so I've actually never been on a shooting day out with my mates because it's because I haven't really shot anything since adulthood but growing up it was just one of those things that that's what you did you just went into the back 40 and set up some milk jugs and things like that I can imagine much like a day on the golf course, how shooting would be just a really great time to spend. It is. It's a lot of fun. We had um, we went out actually to Woodbury, which is about an hour away from here, which I like the distance. Mm-hmm. People, you know, people all week been saying, "Oh, why you want to go so far? Just go here, or go over here." Because it gives you skin in the game. Right. You're going further enough. You've had it's a little windshield time. Don't discount the value of windshield time with friends. Yeah. Windshield time is invaluable. You get to talk, you get to smoke, you get to relax, you have a blast. A lot of things like that really go on good. So this was about an hour, hour, ten minutes away. Beautiful drive. We're not driving through the hearts of downtown right. you know, or anything like that. We're driving out into the country to a shooting range. And, you know, I've got a hog hunt, big hog hunt next weekend. Mm. Cannot wait. February 26th, 27th, 28th, I'm going to be in Crossville. The, we're going to be hunting Russian boar. The little one's about 400 pounds. The big one's about 600. All right. These are big beasts. Yeah. And so I bought me a new gun for this hunt, which this won't mean a lot to you and to most of our listeners, but to those that do, they're going to say, wow, I bought a Henry Big Boy 4570. This is a cannon. All right. This is a big, slow-moving bullet that does a lot of damage. I can cut firewood with this gun, man. <laughs> And it's the perfect gun for Hawk. What what would be the largest game you could take ethically with this gun? Um, Did you get an elk with elk, it? Oh, absolutely. Elk, moose. Moose, you definitely okay. definitely do moose. And all, you probably couldn't do a really thick-skinned, you know, elephant or something like right. that. 
probably not an African beast. But no you, rhino, but, no nothing like that. Yeah, uh, bear definitely. I think right. I could kill any animal in North America with this gun ethically. Okay. Now, depending on how far away or right, how close, right, right. you know, it's a hundred about a hundred yard gun for me. Okay. Now it'll go out a little further. I can make it reach out a little further, but for an ethical shot, I'm probably going to be next week looking for that fifty to seventy five yard hog. All right. Um, the place we're going, it's a game ranch, a thousand acres fence. And here's, here's a great tip for everybody out there if they're looking at doing this. There are YouTube videos that people put up of their experience on all these ranches. And not YouTube videos sponsored by the ranch. Right. YouTube videos of actual customers. Because I looked, so what, the way this all started, we'll get to cigars in a minute, folks. The way this all started is me and a couple of buddies were here, and they said, hey, we want to go kill wild hogs. And they wanted what I call a whack em and stack em hunt. Yeah. Where you go, and they're destroying the crops, and you're the, you're the hard you're the line in the sand. Yeah. yeah. And you're killing, you know, killing hogs about the size of poodles. You kind of got to check them for a collar. Right. And, I, and I, so I looked at those hunts, and those hunts were kind of dubious at best as yeah. far as how much I would enjoy it. Then I started looking at these big boars. I run across these big boars, and there was three places in Tennessee that did them. I looked over on their face or on their YouTube and started searching. You know, we're going to Spartan Hunting Lodge. Yeah. And when I watched the video on YouTube of Spartan, it was the hunt I wanted. Okay. It was out in the wild. These were big boars. There was a little bit of adventure to it. It didn't look impossible. It didn't look like we were going to have to be miserable to kill a hog. Right. But it also didn't look like they were going to tie one up to a tree and wait for one of us to come up and shoot it. Exactly. One of the places I looked at, the guys were there, and they said, yeah, this is a terrible lodge. Watch this. And they just walk right up to the boars. Uh Well, if I can just walk right up to the boar and knock him in the head of a bat, that's not a hunt. That's grocery shopping. Yeah. So one of the... So anytime you get ready to go on one of these hunts, the beauty of the modern age that we live in is jump on YouTube and watch a couple of videos of people that have been on these hunts. Yeah. Because everybody straps a GoPro to their chest and goes out and does it. Of course. And Because when when one of your hunting buddies comes running across the field being chased by a boar, you want to have record of that. Oh, absolutely. One hunting buddy in specific, I did ask here the other night, I said, say he hits a hog and... I see him come running through with a hog with a slug in its ass chasing him. Should I reach for the gun or the camera? Unanimously camera. <laughs> see, I, I still say mount the camera to the gun. And then, then you get it both? Yeah, then you get both. Well, the two guys that I'm going with have never killed a big game animal. All right. So this is going to be an emotional experience for them as well. But we all got together and went shooting today. I had to get my 4570 tuned in. Henry Rifles, Henry Rifles' motto is made in America or not at all. They're a good American company that makes great firearms. Um, they people, do all their machining, all their parts are sourced. Everybody loves a Henry Rifle. Right. Henry Rifle is kind of the pinnacle of lever action guns. Okay. And I've always wanted a Henry, and this gave me a great excuse to buy a Henry 4570. So, absolutely love it. Took it out, tuned it in. I put a scout scope on it, which is a scope that sits about six inches away from your eyes so that I don't get a black eye when I shoot it. Had fun. A buddy of ours that ain't going on the hunt, he came shooting with us today. 
and shot my AR. He shot my thirty out six. Just had a blast. Oh, we we just had a ball. And then, but you know, we got there early, and then my other two buddies showed up, and they started shooting. Um, one of our members of our troop is going for the Tennessee state record for most expensive shotgun to ever kill a hog in the state of Tennessee. What's he got invested in that thing at this point? He's got to be up five or six. Wow. It's got to be up there at five or six by now. It's a Benelli M4, which is an expensive gun to start with. Yeah. He's put the flash suppressor on it, the muzzle brake, the Holosun optic, the new spring, the extended tube. There's little of the original left at this point, basically. Well, and what's funny is he, he has two of these guns that he's done this with that he's totally tricked out. His AR, I know, is into double digits. Yeah. Um, totally tricked out. Today, I pull out my old .30-06 Matilda, the gun that I bought when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I've got a $100 Tasco scope on it that's been there for 20 years. I laid it on the bench, and I had little printouts of hogs, little wild hogs. Yeah. At 100 yards, I put the bullet right through the ear of the wild hog on the first shot. <laughs> that made you feel pretty good. Oh, yeah. It, and, of course, I'm cocky about it. I, sh- I pulled the trigger, and they said, well, I can't see the bullet. I said, when you walk up there, you will. <laughs> and sure enough, he walks up there. He says, yeah, the bullet was dead center in the ear of the hog at 100 yards. So that's Matilda. And all. But I'm not taking Matilda. Because she has such an old scope, we're going to be changing elevation. And I don't want to mess with her scope. And gotcha. I may have to make some slight scope adjustments when we change elevation. Gotcha. So I'm not taking Matilda. Yeah, because you guys will be up out in the plateau up there. Yeah, yeah. we'll be up in Crossville. So I'm taking Helga, my Henry 4570. So that, that's where we're going with that. But coming back to cigars. Yeah. So one of the topics we wanted to talk about tonight was what do cigar shops get wrong? What it seems to be the most common mistakes we see happening in cigar shops. I'm going to say the number one mistake in cigar shops that I see is the stale humidor. Yeah, and I, I guess, so my thought when we started looking at this was kind of, when do you know it's time to move on? You know, and when you start to get bored of the humidor, that's a, usually a pretty good indication that it's... There's, now... Now, there's something to be said for knowing that I can go to this shop and get this cigar. If it's one that maybe bounces in and out of some cigars, like the La Aurora ADN. You guys have it here, but only in the Robusto, and that's not my size. But there's a shop not too far from here where I know I can get it any time I want it. There's something to be said for that. However, nothing in that humidor has changed since the Reagan administration. You know, we spend a tremendous amount of time in this humidor talking about what's on the cut list. And the cut list is the cigars that are not paying the rent. They're not turning a box every 30 days. They're no longer paying their rent in the humidor. It's time for them to move out and something else to come in. But there's also a lot of value. You know, we had Don Pedro on the, on the pod last week. And Don Pedro's great, and he does the rolling event, and it's a lot of fun. His cigars are good. But once a year. Yeah. Once a year, I want to order Don Gonzalez cigars, have Don Pedro come in and do an event, sell the cigars out, finish the event out. You know, we did 200 of the fresh rolls, and all 200 of them are gone. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm good till next February. I don't need to see Don Pedro's cigars here again till next February. We got his regular line of stuff in there, and it'll probably take it. Hopefully, it'll sell out. Probably around know, August. Yeah, by, Ju- by July, August for the show. Yeah. I want that space in there. But once a year is perfect. And I think he will have more success. And I'll never convince him of this. Right. But I think he will have more success in this humidor if he is if he's special event. Yeah. If people are always ex- excited to see it. Because he's not a Perdomo. Right. Perdomo, you've got to have those in the humidor at all times. Because there's always going to be people coming in wanting to smoke mm-hmm. Perdomo. You're always going to have to have the Drew Estate stuff in the humidor. There's always going to be people coming in looking for the Drew Estate stuff. Right. But your boutique stuff, I think it's worth a lot to rotate it in and out. Even if you're taking away something somebody likes right at that moment. And we're not saying, no, you can't have it. We're just saying, come tell us. Yeah. Come tell us, hey, I smoke five boxes of this cigar a year. I need to be in this humidor. Yeah. Then then done. Hey, we'll buy a box, put it in your locker. When that box gets down to three or four cigars, give us a call. We'll, we'll buy yeah. another box. And kind of balance it out that way and get a greater level of communication with the with the customers because what you don't want is humidor fatigue. Yeah. I think that sours me on a shop quicker than anything because it makes me feel like the owner ain't trying. Yeah. The, the thing for me, I think, that when I first walk into a new shop is something that always either hits me or doesn't is I feel like we've reached a point where... Cigar shops, by and large, are television-centric. I can't tell you the last time I walked into a shop and they either didn't have a TV or only had one. You know, now they're on every wall. They're on, you know, and odds are they're probably on sports 24-7 or, or some cable news channel. Right. And I just... When I come in to have a cigar, I feel like I want conversation or I want quiet if I'm going to try and work so that I don't need to be constantly entertained the cig- I'm, the cigar does that for me I'm cool with the TVs and the sports on mute yeah but if you've got the crowd that wants to turn up and wants to hear the TV and wants to hear what's going on if you can't watch the sport, and ascertain from watching it what's going on, and you need to hear Dick Vitale tell you yeah. what's what's going on, you probably should stay home. Now, there are some exceptions to that. Obviously, Super Bowl, championship games, big games, you know, those obviously get a pass. But when it's Thursday night, week three of the NFL, and it's two teams that no one in here grew up watching as a fan or whatever. That, that sound doesn't need to be on for that. Well, it's kind of like music. You know, we had a guy in here talking to my wife the other night, and he said, you know what y'all are missing? Music. You need speakers in here. You need a speaker system and music flowing through this place. And she said, that's not what this place is about. Now, we've got a little Bluetooth box over here that plays a little background music sometimes, and half the time that it, we end up asking them to turn it off. Yeah. Because, you know, the other, the other night somebody had put smooth jazz on it, and I'm trying to play poker feeling like I'm shooting a porno, <laughs> and decided that it wasn't, it wasn't really what I wanted at that yeah. moment. Well, 
So there is a shop down here, and I think they do. They have, I think, th- four TVs that that they use for like watching programming. They've got a bunch more than that for other things. But one of the things I like that they do is they don't turn the TVs on first thing in the morning. You know, whoever comes in there and is opening the shop up, they don't turn the TVs on. The TVs will stay off until one of the customers wants to turn it on. And I really like that. Sadly, it almost never gets turned off once it's on. But there have been many a days where I show up there at 10 o'clock you know, as they're opening, going to work from there for the day because I've got stuff going or whatever. And for the first two hours of the day, I don't have the background noise. I don't have all of the distraction because there's no one in there is turned on. I wish more shops would adopt that policy. Is there any worse thing on TV than early morning sports talk? Is there anything more obnoxious, more made up, more phony? Is there anything possible to be worse you know, than ESPN about 8.30 in the morning? You know, it's the same problem I have with cable news. And it's that, especially around sports though, no one's playing the games right now. But we've created a channel whose sole focus is around sports. So we have to fill the hours with programming. And so we're going to talk about the thing that happened two days ago. And then we're going to talk about talking about the thing that happened two days ago. And then we're going to talk with some other guys about what happened two days ago. And then if you turn tune in in three hours, we're going to start the cycle all over again. Well, and the worst is the call-in show. Oh, yeah. And I kid you not, I was listening to a call-in show um, here it was been it was when Tennessee played Alabama in football this year, mm-hmm. and a guy actually called in and said, "I'll tell you, Phil, I think the first team to get to fifty points is going to win this game." And Phil said, "I think the first team to get to fifty points wins any football yeah. game, <laughs> with very rare exception." <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's kind of like okay, statistically, the team ahead at the first quarter has a seventy percent chance of winning, and second quarter has right. a thirty. The team ahead at the end of the fourth quarter has a 100% chance of winning. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what you get into. Yeah. And I I just absolutely, I agree. I think this is not a sports bar. Right. A cigar lounge is a unique experience in and of itself. And part of curating that experience is creating that environment. Right. And I think... I think it's interesting because there are so many successful shops all across the country that I think when someone's looking to open up a new shop, they're looking at those, for examples. I think that's why the the TV and the sports has become so pervasive because it just, you know, there's a certain expectation or stereotype that a cigar shop's going to be full of men and men like sports. And so we're just going to be all sports all the time. You know, they're like Smoker's Abbey is a great example. They, back when Walking Dead and Game of Thrones were on, they'd have watch parties on Sunday nights. And then there's a back room that has a TV that oftentimes will have some folks watching a movie that are just sit there. And it doesn't take over the entire that. And I really, really like that. Yeah. And it's and cigar cinema is fun. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about cigar holidays. Are we going to do Quiet Man this year? We are. All right. Quiet Man, um, we missed Quiet Man last year. We did. And I don't know why we missed Quiet Man last year. I was taking care of a baby. Oh, that's right. You were having a baby. Well, and <laughs> I had the easy job. 
<laughs> um, but we missed our qui- our annual watching of the Quiet Man, and that's so much fun. And this year, St. Patrick's Day falls on, on a, a Friday. Friday, so that's even better. So yes, all the arrangements are being made and being put into place. Um, I've had three or four different people say to me, "Hey, are we doing Quiet Man this year?" And that's just a, the cigar cinema tradition. Yeah. We're going to come in. We're going to smoke cigars. I'm going to drink my one Guinness a year, and we're going to watch The Quiet Man, and we're going to make fun of how many times John Wayne lights a cigarette, takes two puffs, and flings it <laughs> off flings to, it. to set the Irish countryside ablaze. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I jump down to another topic because it kind of hits what you were talking about before we get to the break because I think we're running a little bit long, but... Music for listening. You mentioned music in the shop. I was having this thought the other day. Do you remember back in high school, college? You know, every every guy out there had a playlist for a specific purpose. Curated to hit the high points at the right time, to set the mood for the activity correctly. Everyone had it. And I was thinking about that with cigars. You know, oftentimes I either watch a TV show on my phone or iPad or I listen to a podcast or something, but sometimes you're in a music mood. I don't hate the idea of music in a shop, but it's got to be the right shop for it. This is not a jazz lounge. This is not the kind of shop. Now, Blend downtown, they could they could do that. You know, Casa could do that uh, if they were so inclined. I think there's... Is there room in your playlist catalog for a cigar? Like, do you just listen to whatever music you're into? Do you just fire up the Jimmy Buffett? Or is, is there something to be said for, for going outside the, the norm of what you normally listen to and have something and, and make it part of the destination? Music can be magical. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget... One day, we were hitting golf balls at, through the greens, little course that's no longer in existence there in Franklin. And the sun was setting, and you could see the Tennessee hills, and they started playing bag, bagpipe music over the PA. That's kind of fun. And so you're out there, you're hitting the golf balls, the bagpipe music, and it's kind of as the sun's going down, kind of a sunset symphony. And it was a magical moment. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of times when I'm smoking by myself that I want to listen to music. Mm -hmm. That I just want to relax and enjoy and listen to music. But when I'm smoking with friends, I don't want no music. But but I'm saying for those moments, do you just queue up, like I said, just Jimmy Buffett or whatever you're into, or do you use that as an opportunity to maybe... So I'll give you a little background before you answer. So I've been watching Treme on HBO Max. It was the same guy that did The Wire, but it's about post-Katrina New Orleans, and it features a lot of musicians, and that's a big theme, because of course it is. It's New Orleans. I've always been a fan of New Orleans jazz and Zydeco. I really love music from that part of the country. And as I'm now like having some of that fire reignited for that type of music, which is not something I listen to. I'm not going to be driving down the highway listening to jazz. That's right. that's how you fall asleep in the wheel and, and have an accident. But it made me think that would be a great like cigar playlist for that for that genre that you need the moment to be right because with a cigar the moment is almost always right. Do you think there's there's a place for that or you just Yeah, there's a place for that. There's a place for old Sinatra. Yeah. For the old big band stuff. I'm going to tell you something that might be a little ostracizing here. I think Dean was better. I agree. All right. I can agree with that. But I, but that whole 
Rat Pack era of music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a to me that's cigar lounge music. Yeah. To me, that feels like cigar lounge. That feels like the crooners. Yeah, I'm going to a gentleman's establishment where I'm well, going to sit exactly. and smoke a cigar. Well, uh, not, not that kind of not gentleman. that kind of gentleman's establishment. But I'm going to to an establishment filled with gentlemen. Right. Let's put it that. Well, that's that's this era. That's, that's bad. That too. sounds. Bad. Well, I'm going to smoke a cigar with some buddies. That to me seems like to be yeah. the way you'd want to do it. So I can see your point. I can see the music. I can see the point. I can see how that comes together. But it must always be soft. It must always be in the background. Oh, absolutely. And if it's not there at all, I don't think I miss it. Yeah, I think I, I'm. I guess I'm thinking specifically for those times when I'm smoking by myself, where you do want that little bit of. But yeah, definitely. If it, if it's going to be in a group or in a shop, it's got to be soft enough. And and you know, speaking just personally, as someone who wears hearing aids, like that music will cut through. If I'm trying to have a conversation and there's music on in the background, if it's half a decibel too loud, it I'm done. I can't Drives hear anything. Nuts. Yeah. And I will let's step away for a break. Let's do it. We come back. We'll see what we're going to talk about then. <laughs> we'll be back with more after this. Back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from a man who would have no idea how to direct a gentleman's gentleman, Mr. Trey Dedman. You know what? That's You're exactly right. I would have such a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, dissociation issue with that. Well, the what spurs this topic is um, from Half Wheel. Bovita Butler rebranded to CI Smart Sensor. So this is the little sensor that they that you put in there that keeps track of your humidity. I think it's probably Bluetooth. It's enabled. Bluetooth to your phone, so it'll send you updates if it gets out of range. Yeah, talks to your phone, tells you all that. Okay, so I want your opinion. Did they change this to the CI Smart Sensor as part of branding it for Cigars International only, or did they want to get rid of the term Butler? I think it was Cigars International only. So first of all, can we just decide that there are some things that don't need to be smart. My, my refrigerator doesn't need to be a smart refrigerator, and my humidor doesn't need to be a smart humidor. Well, there's some things for which smart works good. My Traeger grill yeah. being smart, wonderful idea. My oven is smart, and even though I haven't used it in a while, it, the, some of the features there are great. Right. The, now, there's a lot of things that don't. I don't need... I don't need my car to be overly smart. Mm-hmm. I don't want a memory foam mattress. I don't want it remembering some of the things I did on it. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a point where technology becomes self-defeating. But so, but we, no, I don't. I don't think it was to get rid of the term butler. I okay. think. Well, and and but I'll tell you why. CI is a huge corporation. I think the CI smart sensor is a camel. Have you ever heard the expression, a camel is a horse designed by committee? Right. And I, I think they've just, they're too corporate to know better. I can go with that. And, oh, smart is hot. We've got to have the word smart. Like, it, I think it really just came to that. So, let's talk about the gentleman's gentleman, the butler. 
having having a support staff in your life is not a bad thing. No. You would not believe how much having a housekeeper improves my, my wife's life. Well, it's... I always thought of a gentleman's gentleman as being a valet, not a butler. But I guess it's... Depending on the size of your house. I, like. I, I guess it depends on... One, it depends on what kind of a gentleman's gentleman you're having. Yeah. And it also depends on, you know, is he your is he your valet? Is he your chauffeur? Is he your butler? Is he your cook? Is Your he, man Friday. Right. Is, is he your right-hand man at the office? Yeah. You know, it all depends on how the many role. roles he's filling, yeah. I guess, before you can get into the actual terminology. You know, all of my builders have a right-hand man. Right. Ironically, one of my builders' right hand man lost his right hand last year, and now has a mechanical right hand. I Do said, they call him Lefty? No, no. Everybody's really get really nice to him. <laughs> I would insist you call me Lefty. I, I don't know. If you I lose your hair, would you ask everybody to call you Curly? Maybe. <laughs> I, there's a good chance I'll lose my hair at some point, and I will definitely lean into it. Or I, I'm saying that now. I don't. Joined know. by Trey Curly Deadman here on the Cigar Cast. So, but having the housekeeper is such a small thing. It's, and every time you think about it, you think, okay, is it really worth paying them for this three or four hours work that they come in and clean my house? Am I really so lazy I won't clean my own house? But when you think about how much stress that alleviates right. in your life, you don't have to worry about, do you clean it right? Do you fold the towels correctly? How much, how much better do you sleep because you're not going to bed thinking, oh, I'm, I was trying to get the floors mopped tonight, and I didn't get to it? Or I didn't get to go play Legos with my son because um, I had to empty the dishwasher. Yeah. You know, that's, there's a whole religious thing about the dishes will keep. Well, it's like, it, you know, I remember reading a, a great quote, you know, everyone has 24 hours in a day. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. You know, time is not an excuse. You know, you and Beyonce have 24 hours in a day. Well, Beyonce has people. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said for for how you're able to utilize the same 24 hours that everybody has, and and I think this goes to that. Speaking of which, next time I hire a housekeeper, I'm going to say, okay, how much to clean the house? 150 bucks. I'm pulling a number out of there. I'm going to say, what time will you be here? Seven o'clock. All right. If you are here any time between 6.30 and 7 o'clock, I will give you $200 that week to clear. But if you are here any time after 7.01, you're cleaning for $100 that week. Because why can house... I understand if you're the last stop of the day. Yeah. If yeah, they were going to be there at 2. Right. If house cleaners going to be there at 2 and they're an hour or two late, I understand that. Yeah. Things we get got, behind. Yeah. We got held up at the old house. They got a new puppy. They got a new kid. They got a new whatever. Yeah. I understand that. But if I am first stop, and I always insist upon being first stop. Right. If I am first stop, I expect you to be on time. Now, how does calling ahead if they're going to be late sit with you? Are you good then? Is it, or is it no. just the rolling up? No. I'd, if you call ahead, you're telling me that you planned on being late. Unless you're calling ahead to say, Aunt Mabel fell in the well, I got to go get a rope and a Labrador and get her out. 
unless you're calling me with a legitimate reason why you're like, hey, the traffic on 65 is a stall. That's what I'm talking about. You know, it's a 30-minute commute normally, but there's a tractor-trailer fire in the commute. Uh, And I'm not even going to complain if you're 15 minutes late. It's the 30 minutes to an hour or more. It's the hour or more. Yeah. It's the hour or more late that drives me nuts. And I just, I can't take it. I'm paying them. I didn't tell them what time they had to be here. They set the time. Right. I'm willing to pay them whatever wage they ask, and yet they still can't show up on time. That's I, We had our housekeeper the first week she showed up on time, second week, an hour late. We're going to see what the third week is. Yeah, I was about to say, this is a new person, too. Did yeah. you say anything the second time? Um, the second time her assistant showed up, she didn't show up. Mm. And her assistant did a good job. But I, could, I didn't really feel like yelling at the assistant. It wasn't her fault. Although I did yell at the girl at McDonald's the other day. Right. But I'll, I'll have to tell this story on the podcast. And, and this, all I could think of was Adam Carolla when this happened. We pulled up to McDonald's. We order our food. They can't get the order right on the screen. I have to talk and correct them three or four times to get the order right. So when I get the bag, I check the bag. No hash brown. No hash brown for my wife. I say to the girl, you forgot the hash brown. She looks at me and says, let me see the bag. I said, you're right. This is how I'm going to get rich. I'm going to steal your hash brown straight to Mexico, and I'm going to sell it and start a new life. Now go get a hash brown. Right. Because there's just... Right. There's no reason that for the price of a hash brown... One, there's no reason why I would steal a hash brown. I don't think they're that good anyway. Right. And there's no reason for the price of a hash brown to risk running a customer off forever. Especially since it's not like, even if you were trying to get them for a free hash brown, it's not like it affects her. It's it's not her money. It's not her hash brown. Well, I would love for her to have that kind of pride in her job. Yeah. She didn't. She wanted to try to catch another human being trying to get one being over on unscrupulous her. right that which tells me that once again she's an unscrupulous takes person. takes one to know one kind of situation yeah. and i'll to catch a thief so to speak yeah but if you did have a gentleman's gentleman would one of his tasks be to prepare master trays master tray. <laughs> master trays cigar lounge area for spring i mean if i'm in the if i'm in the position of having a gentleman's gentleman i probably have a year round smoking uh, location on my property. But, yeah, I was thinking about this because we had some, I'm going to call it unseasonably warm weather, even though it happens every year. This is what I like to call full spring. But last week, it got really warm. And so I was spending a lot of time outside. And I started thinking about, I need to get my patio ready for spring and summer cigar smoking. And I was thinking about, like, some of the, the tips and some of what goes into that. I know this doesn't really affect you as much because your, your, your porch is open year-round. Um, it, do, it does affect me to some degree. Yeah. So one of the things, like, I was thinking about is that most people probably won't think about is doing any maintenance you need to do on your house. And it sounds counterintuitive, but I'll tell you why. Because you're going to be spending a lot of time on that back patio. And if you've got, oh, I don't know, a piece of your vinyl siding that's melted beyond recognition sitting there staring you in the face, it's going to annoy the crap out of you every time you sit out of there. 
So take some time, knock the cobwebs out of the eaves, maybe pressure wash the patio if it's if it needs it or, or anything like that, but do a little maintenance on your area before you start setting up shop. And don't get carried away. No, absolutely not. It's don't, not your living room. Right. Don't get carried away. You don't have to go buy a whole new patio set. You don't have to do above and beyond. Even Have you seen the price of cushions? You can buy a new patio set for what cushions cost. Oh, I know. I, so that's on the, my list for this year. So our patio cushions... At our, at our old place, we didn't have a lot of storage. We still don't, really, but we, we have more than we did. So our patio cushions set out all year round. Now, we kept them under a tarp so that they didn't get rained on and stuff like that, but when the weather was nice, we didn't cover it. So they all got not just sun-bleached, but dry-rotted. And so now they're just you touch them and they fall apart like crepe paper. So we've got to replace our cushions this year. There's a great company... I know I used them last year called Covers and All. Mm-hmm. They'll send you any size cushion cover you want. Reuse so the. I looked at my my chair that I sat in when I smoke outside, and I said, "Okay, these cushions need replaced." Well, I get in touch with Sunbrella, and they wanted more for the cushions than I paid for the dang chair. Right. So it's I like s- Canon selling printer ink. Yeah, yeah. Microsoft selling yeah. subscriptions to games. So I said, okay, I looked up covers and all, found the right size cover, and then I just ordered a big piece of memory foam. Oh, there you go. Took my electric fillet knife, cut my cushion, stuffed it in the thing, got brand new cushions for one fraction of what it would have cost it. So covers and all. I'll have to, because ours is a, our, we've got a sectional, it's, we bought a big lot, so it's, it's very basic, but the cushions aren't standard size. You know, they're an inch narrower than than what we can just buy over the counter so to speak so this that's a good idea I'll, I'll have to check that out but so that was and also thinking about your shade if you live in a area of the country where it gets just oppressively hot in the summer this is something that I've got to do we bought a couple of years ago when we were still at the old place a semi-permanent patio cur- cover with a metal frame but ours happens to have the um, the fabric co- right. cover. So it's not totally waterproof. It's not great. And it doesn't really block the sun. It just gives you enough. And we're trying to to decide if we're going to do a permanent patio cover, like mounted, like a, an actual roof off the house or whatever. So starting that, but we're starting that now. I've been talking with a company that's going to do it for us. So we're getting quotes and stuff like that. But I think now's the time to start thinking through what that's going to be like. Yeah, you need to think through what's your space, what you're going to use it for, what's the, you know, who's going to be coming over and enjoying your space. You know, my porch gets a lot of traffic. Yeah. Lots of people come to my house and sit on my porch with me, whether we're smoking or not. Right. And so my porch, I built it with that in mind, where I had room. I do. I still wish I'd built it about two foot longer. Yeah. But live and learn. That's the biggest holdup that we've got is that the patio that they poured on this house was 12 foot by 12 foot. And it's just not big enough because I want to eventually close that in and have like a little sunroom with, you know, like screen vinyl windows, like where I could. And so, but I still will need a patio. So I've got to extend the patio before I can do any of this. Well, and I, I always tell my customers when we're drawing their house to say, and here's where we want the screened in porch. And I'll tell them, no, I'll draw the covered porch. 
don't screen it till you've lived there for one year. See where you gravitate to. Because, you know, my average house now has a lot of porch on it. Right. I said, before you just arbitrarily screen off this area. That may not be the part of the porch where you feel most comfortable. That may be where you can hear the neighbor's dog barking. Yeah. That may be where the sun sets every night at the same time when you sit down to smoke a cigar. Or if you have a really silly puppy like mine, that might be where the dog decides to do his business. Does your dog poop on concrete? Yes. (laughs) There's something about, somebody out there will, will know this. There's something about shepherds that are fi- that like the concrete. They, they 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 do it on the driveway. They do it on the sidewalk. They do it on the concrete. There's something about that breed of that's dog. That's so funny. That that's what they did. We had one. We had a shepherd years and years ago, and always on the driveway. Drive you nuts. I mean, at least it's easy to well. So it's it's one of those things. I actually don't mind it all that much because. He does go in the yard 90% of the time, but he's decided that the section of the yard that is his toilet is the eighth of an inch right off the patio. And of course, it blends in with the ground a little bit, so I'm much more likely to see it and avert my foot, my step, if I can see it contrasted against the light concrete versus right there. Right. So, moving forward off of, off of your dog's yeah. bathroom habits. Um, I have no way to transition. So. <laughs> um, big Mardi Gras week. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the cigar business has been talking about Mardi Gras. Have they? I haven't heard a lot of Mardi Gras talk. Um, you know, uh, Jennifer with Hiram and Solomon, she's down there in New Orleans. One of our cigar buddies that lives down there is down there. Seems like this week, every time I've turned on my iPad and hit up Facebook... Someone's in New Orleans. Someone's in Mardi Gras. So... And, and I used to, before I changed companies this, this last time, my company was headquartered in Mandeville, just north, just across the Pontchartrain Bridge. And so I was thinking about this a little bit, and I figured even though by the time this airs, we'll be past Mardi Gras, hope everyone found the baby in your king cake. I want to talk about Lent a little bit. You know, Lent is such a funny rite to me. Because it's pretty much just Catholic. By and large, it's a Catholic thing. It's not re- like the Protestants don't really get onto Lent very much, but it kind of been co-opted, right? It has. It's one of those. It's kind of like St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. You know, um, we were discussing St. Patrick's Day earlier, and everybody celebrates St. Patrick's Day, though very few have you know have a St. Christopher medal on their dashboard or. Buried in their backyard or whatever it is you do with St. Christopher. I don't know. Is he the traveler guy or is he the sell your house guy? I, you've lost me. There, I, okay, there's one of these saints, somebody else, somebody's Catholic will message right. us and let us know that you're supposed to bury him in your backyard when you're getting ready to sell your house and it'll sell, make your house sell quicker. Oh, that's funny. I have, I've never and, heard of that before. Yeah, and then you dig it up and use it for the next house. <laughs> I guess if the contract falls through when you dig it up, you, you know it worked. Right. But um, they're all. But regardless, all the saints seems like St. Patrick's Day gets the most credit. Well, St. Valentine. But we co-opt Lent. But I think that's because a little self-denial is not a bad thing. I agree. Now, is is Lent something you practice? No. See, it's not something I practice either. 
No, I gave up self-denial for Lent. But is it, but but that brings up you know your point. Is it should we like? Is there something? It doesn't necessarily have to be the forty days and nights you know leading up to Easter. It could be any period of your time. But is isn't it a good practice to either either practice self denial or moderation in some some cases? I think it makes you enjoy it more when you come back to it. What was, what did we start the show with? How can I ever miss you if you never go away? Yeah. I think there's something to that. Now, the question is, how much should you give up? And and I think this really, this and this is what I wanted to talk about on the show. Because I think what you give up says as much about what you're doing as, as anything else and kind of what the motivation is, where it comes from. You know, if you're giving up sodas for Lent because you're trying to lose weight and you need... You know the the almighty eye of God judging you even harder if you relapse, for lack of a better word. I don't know that that motivation is pure enough. Yeah, if you're give, if you give up something, you were quitting anyway. Or, if, or, or if trying I quit, to. If I quit skydiving for Lent, right? Well, that's that's taking it to the extreme, but sure. yes. Um, but I guess I'm thinking more of that has. I feel like it needs to be something that is getting in the way. If you're talking about Lent specifically, I think it needs to be something that's getting in the way of your spiritual relationship with whoever your your God of choice is. I'm I'm another direction on that. I think it needs to be something you really like. For, For instance, if I said, okay, I'm giving up cigars for 40 days for Lent. All right. And I'm doing that solely to show my fealty to my chosen deity. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, I'm going to give up cigar. Now, to me, that's a good use of it. To me, that's me giving up something I really love. Yeah. I'm not giving up something that I normally would give up anyway, and I'm doing it for the right reason. Except that I feel like it's kind of it's kind of like the old the old life insurance trope of instead of buying the, the permanent, it's the Dave Ramsey thing, buy term and invest the rest because it's so much cheaper. But no one ever invests the rest. That's that's the rub, right? I think if you give up something for Lent, but then don't spend the time you would have spent doing that in some type of service to your deity, then you're kind of missing the point a little bit. But I'm glad you brought up cigars specifically because I feel like cigars are something that people give up for Lent oftentimes. We've known several friends who have gone through that practice. And I don't think it's the right call. Well... Cigars are intertwined in my life. Mm -hmm. Most of my social structure and interaction is built around people here at the Cigar Lounge. Um, I suppose it'd be like if you had a, you know, it'd be like Norm on Cheers giving up drinking. Right. And his social life is ground to a halt. But not only that, but how many cigar shops have Bible studies? How many... How many times have you and I, just the two of us, two guys who really don't talk religion very much at all, sat here and had deep, meaningful religious conversations over a cigar? Or how much time do you sit in a quiet moment by yourself with a cigar in self-reflection? I, I feel like by giving up cigars, you take away those moments that are in a way, and I feel like this is uniquely cigar, and I could be way off, I could be reaching, I could be justifying, I don't know. 
but it seems like the cigar is uniquely poised to give you a spiritual connection if you're looking for one that taking that out actually has the inverse effect of what you're trying to accomplish for Lent. It's an interesting thought. I'd have to flesh that out. I'd have to ponder that. So, good things to give up for Lent. Alcohol? Alcohol, for sure. I think alcohol is a good one to give up for Lent because it doesn't really, if it affects your lifestyle, you probably should be giving it up anyway. Exactly. And I I think it's a gateway for a lot of folks is, okay, if, if you know, it becomes an opportunity to see if I'm capable of it. And if I'm not, maybe I need to go seek help. Um, and I don't care how devout you are, sometimes just wanting to quit's not enough. And you, you can't always just pray through it. Sure. You need, you need help. You need help. Um, I think um, video games. Oh, that's a good one. Are a very, because that's time that you are dedicated... Anything that could become an idol, those are the kinds of things that, that I feel like. Going out to eat is, I'm kind of on the bubble on that. I, where, where my mind went was going out to like clubs and bars and stuff in, in conjunction with like the alcohol, because you're not going to go out to bars, you're not going to go out. You're not, but I'm, I'm thinking things that take your time away and don't build your character or your spiritual relationship, those are the kinds of things that I would look for. Video games is excellent. Alcohol is good. Also, what if instead of taking away, you're adding? See, I like that idea too. I've heard, I've had a couple of friends who took that approach. Uh, it's it's not exactly traditional, you know. It's supposed to be about withholding, but if if it becomes because I feel like adding is usually a territory of New Year's resolutions, but. If it's if it's reading the Bible, or if it's spending more time with your spouse or your kids, or if it's if it's adding, but in a specific, meaningful, and purposeful way, I think that can be beneficial too. Yeah, I mean, if it's okay, my grandmother, my grandmothers have passed away, but it, well, before they passed away, they were both in a nursing home, and making myself go to the nursing home and visit them was so freaking hard. Yeah. It was so stinking hard. I think if I'd had an excuse like, okay, for Lent, I'm going to be sure I go for the next six weeks every week and visit Mama. Yeah. I think that would have been a good addition. Yeah, I think so too. Also adding to your friends, hey, I'm going to go help, I'm going to go help my buddy on a project once a month or during the Lentil season we're going to go build. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the air compressor and the tools out, and I'm going to go help Trey build a cover over his patio. Right. Something that you have a skill to do mm-hmm. that you could donate to a friend, that's not a bad thing to add. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, especially if you have a skill, hey, I'm going to help so-and-so get his computer straight. Right. And also, yeah, I can see that. That's a very very interesting concept for it. So what did you think of the Cavalier Geneva? Man, that was good. It smoked fast. I noticed you, you finished a lot quicker than I did. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I mean, it, it is rolled really, really loose. I was also, man, I just wanted that cigar. Like, I, I think I was just a little over because I feel like um, it, I just blew through it. But I've been at my dad's all weekend. It was, he, he, his, yesterday was his 62nd birthday. And so 
me and the brothers and sisters, there were five dogs at his house this weekend. So he has two, my sister has two, and then we've got the little one. Watching Benny learn how to be a dog was... <laughs> learning how to dog. Yeah, he was learning how to dog this weekend because he's really, except at the pound and like shortly before when they picked him up, because he was only about a month and a half old when they when they picked him up and they'd had him for two weeks when we got him. We... He's never. He's not been around dogs. He's not fully vaccinated, but I trust these dogs. I know the environment. I, I felt comfortable um, putting him in that scenario, and he was so timid, scared, just out of his wit, scared. But then the first night, everyone had gone to bed except my sister's youngest dog, who is just about a year old, and then him. And so them being the two puppy-like behavior they started playing and he learned and he's you know by the end of today all five dogs were just running around like crazy having a blast he passed out as soon as we got home yeah he learned he learned what he can do the other dogs dogs are great at setting limits oh yeah they're great at setting limits on their owners Mm -hmm. they're great at setting limits with each other humans could learn a lot from setting limits the way dogs do yeah well in particular Dogs understand how to respond when they've been told where the limit is. I think so often as people, that's the part that falls through, is someone tells you what their limit is and you push through anyway. Right. So, yeah, I can understand that. But, yeah, so I've just been, haven't been a big cigar weekend for me, and so it was just kind of to sit and relax. I I think that's just kind of why I pulled through it. But I'm going to go ahead and call that a six. Uh, The Big Poppy is always excellent. I still get that citrus flavor on it that not a lot of people get from it. Mm-hmm. But I still get a little citrusy hit off of this. It's good. It's not overly light. It's not overly strong. It's just a great blend of a cigar. Really enjoy it. It's going to be, you know, a five and a half pretty much all the time yeah. for me. It's never going to be a six. Right. But it's never going to be a four. So, how do they get a hold of us? You can reach us at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. And email info at thecigarcast.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Till next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.